0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti. I'm with Ross Tucker. It's quarter number three, and you know what that means. It's time to ask Ross. We take your questions for Ross. Best question wins the KSN Polo. If you want to submit a question for Ross, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Ross button, and there you go. All right, Ross, you ready? Yes. All right, let's start with Steve in Chicago, who says, Ross, curious to know how the summer camps work. Do players apply to attend? Does Penn State send out invites to certain players? Keep up the great show. So uh,
0: that's a great question. And um, the answer is, it really, and I, I deal with this a lot with Go Big Recruiting and some of the young men that I help, it, it really varies from school to school. Now, I will say this. In general, schools want to get as many people to their camps as possible. As many people on campus as possible. Why? Because there's no downside. There's no downside to having someone from wherever it is across the country, whatever high school, come to that campus and say, boy, that campus is awesome. Penn State's beautiful, the stadium's great. You never know how that helps you. So, most programs wanna get as many people there because number one, there's no downside. Number two, maybe the guy ends up being a prospect. Maybe he's someone that you're interested in. Number three, they they pay money. You know, they, they pay money to come to the camp, right? Like it there there are schools that tell me, Jim, that you know, camp is <clears throat> in part a moneymaker. Now, there are some that that's a higher priority than others. Getting money. And getting a lot of kids there is a higher priority than others. There are others that would tell you they really just want it to be you know, a manageable number of recruits that they think have a legit shot. So they're not looking for big numbers. They're not looking to try to get a, a huge amount of people there because they really want to be able to evaluate maybe the 150 kids that they've invited that they think have some chance as prospects and so but usually even if that's the case they usually go ahead and have other kids there anyway they just separate them because kids kind of know what group they're in and I talk to them afterwards and they're
1: like well I was in the good group or I was not in the good group as always uh, they get classified that's the way the world works all right, Ross, let's go to Randy and Altoona who says, it seems crazy to me that this team could have only 10 scholarship offensive linemen on the roster. I count 16 defensive linemen on the roster, and that's for only four positions versus the five for the offensive line. How does this happen?
0: Well, I haven't gone through the numbers, um, but I think that's right about the 10 – scholarship, offensive linemen. There's a couple things I would say about that. Number one is you rotate defensive linemen. You don't rotate offensive linemen. So I would disagree with the premise that there's only four defensive linemen. You play at least six, probably eight, and some people play more defensive linemen so, in a game. Whereas you really only play five offensive linemen in a game. So you do need more defense. You play more defensive linemen in a Big Ten college football game than you do offensive linemen. There is no question. So that's a big part of it. Uh, also, we mentioned it. You know, they've got a bunch of scholarship linemen coming in. I don't think most people have more than like 15 on scholarship. That's probably on the high end. And they got a bunch coming in Norzad, the Cornell transfer, uh, you know, the freshmen coming in. They got a bunch coming in the year after that. So the only reason why it really just affects you for like the spring game and spring practices because they lost all the kids that went to the transfer portal or went to the NFL draft like Rasheed Walker, but they don't have yet the freshman that
1: will be coming in. And as you alluded to, players leaving for the draft with the ability to transfer so easy, your margin for error is so slim at any position. If it was not offensive line, it might be another position, and that's just the nature of the beast and probably happens at a lot of schools. Let's go to Phil and Berwin. Let's keep with the offensive line theme He says, we keep hearing great things about offensive line coach Phil Troutwine. At what point should he start feeling the heat, though, for the underperforming group?
0: Yeah, I mean, probably this year. Because it'll be the second year that he's in Yursich's offense, that Yursich is the OC. So they should be on the same page there with how they've built the running game, what they're looking for, and then this'll be his third year coaching these guys. And a lot of these guys are, you know, guys he's been coaching for a while or brought in. Fashanu and Tangwall, you know, Scruggs was already there, but he's a good player. Wormley, Wallace, I mean, this is his third year working with these guys, and it's second year with the same offense, there should be progress. Doesn't mean they need to be the best O-line in the Big 10, but they should be better. And you know, they lost three starters, so that makes it harder, but this is when Penn State has typically surprised us and had better offensive lines than we think. You know, I've I've documented this before, Jim, but it feels like the years that we're not expecting much, that they surprise you and perform really well. And then some of the other years where you've got a high, um, you know, you've got
1: high expectations, they, they kind of haven't met them. That's been my experience. The cynic in me, Ross, says they didn't play very well. So losing three starters may not be a bad thing. It might actually be addition by subtraction. We'll see about that. All right, here's an interesting question for you, Ross. Mike from Harrisburg says, where did the offensive line position names come from? Center makes sense, but is there any reference or history to guard and tackle and the tight end positions?
0: Jim, I am 43 years old. (laughs) I played football for 18 years. And I've loved it and adored it since my first Penn State game when I was five. So that's 38 years I've been aware of football. I have never once thought about that. I have never once even pondered that question. I guess I understand guard like, you know, next to the center and guarding the guarding the ball and the quarterback. But where does tackle come from? Tackle is the guy, what the guys on defense are trying to do. They're trying to tackle the guy with the ball care. Jim, I have no idea. That's the winner. I mean, I, don't, I know I don't get to pick the winner, but that guy should be the
1: winner. That's a great question. Well, Ross, let me tell you this. I happen to be 62 years old. And have never played an organized down a football in my life. However, that many years on this planet has taught me something. If you know the questions ahead of time, you're able to do research. So I did. Turns out, there, it looks like there's no definitive answer. But some of the theories are that... Um, The names come from back in rugby days and were carryovers from that, where the outside players did some tackling, apparently, in that sport. The other part to it they said is most players were two-way players. So tackles on defense ended up playing what we now call the tackle position on offense. And that's why that name stuck with them. So take that for what it's worth, but Mike, since Ross has meant said it, it's already been declared. Mike, you are going to be the winner, and we haven't even gotten to all our questions yet. So let's. Sorry, go well on may, to... look, I, maybe I jumped the gun. Maybe the next question will be even better. <laughs> all right, uh, let's see. Alex from York says, "You've often talked about there's a limited number of elite defensive tackles. Is or can P.J. Mustafer be one of those.
0: That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think he can. Uh, you know, I I don't I don't know that I think it'll be like a first round pick type. You know that we're talking about him going in the first round, but I think he can be a dominant Big Ten tackle. Yes. I think he can be a dominant Big Ten defensive tackle. I don't know that he's going to be a first-rounder, but I think he can be a day-two guy, which is really good
1: if you get guys like that. We'll take that. Let's go to Jimmy in Forest City who says, Ross and Jim love your show. Saquon Barkley was possibly my favorite all-time Penn Stater. His highlight reel is must-see TV, and he helped lead us to a Big Ten championship and was a number one, number two pick in the NFL draft. How do you think Nicholas Singleton will compare to Saquon Barkley? Boy, I mean,
0: he just said it, right? I mean, you're talking about an all-time great. He had two ridiculous years. Was great as a freshman. And he's a guy that was the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. That's a lot to have on anybody. I don't know that you can put that on, on Singleton. I will say I do think he has some similar traits. And I do think he has outstanding physical ability. But... Let's put it this way. If I'm betting on it, right, I'm betting that he doesn't become the next Saquon because that's the safer bet, right, that he doesn't become him. But he might, and I certainly hope he does
1: for a lot of reasons. Let's just say he'll become one of the next great Penn State running backs. Mike from Harrisburg, it's already been declared. You are our winner. That is it for quarter number three. Hope you all enjoyed the blue-white game. Stick around quarter number four. We got a special guest. Stay tuned. Hi, this
0: is Ted Brown. I'm a member of the Penn State Board of Trustees, and I'm up for re-election along with Barb Duran and Bill Oldsey. And one of our goals is, again, to freeze or even reduce tuition. And the way to do that is cut costs and get more students at the Commonwealth campuses, which would generate as much as $180 million. Re-elect trustees Ted Brown, Bill Oldsey, and Barbara Duran. Vote trustee ballot positions 238. Request your ballot at trustees.psu.edu.
1: This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel here to tell you about the great trip we're offering this fall for the Penn State-Auburn game. In addition to charter flight and staying at the Team Hotel, we're also partnering with Keystone Sports Network. You'll have a chance to join Jim and Dustin as they record their show on site and even get the chance to ask your questions and be a part of the show. For more information, go to AthleticTravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there!